Hello and welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast. I'm Katarina Albanu and in this episode we'll find out more about the editorial newsletters strategy at The Telegraph. Email newsletters are not exactly a new format, but they have seen a resurgence in recent years as the email inbox becomes a more personal way for journalists to engage with their readers in the age of social media. On social platforms, various algorithms and products that news organisations can't control bridge the media's relationship with their audience. With email newsletters, there are no such gatekeepers. This makes them an attractive way for publishers to develop a better line of communication with their readers, either experimenting with the storytelling style or delivering the content they are best known for, and often mixing both approaches. British Daily The Telegraph has launched six newsletters over a period of six weeks, and its digital team is currently hiring specialised editors to help develop the strategy. The Telegraph has recently been pushing to increase the number of registered users on its website, and the editorial newsletters can help the organisation achieve its goal. Dan Silver, head of digital publishing at The Telegraph, explains. Around the end of last year, when our CEO, Nick Hugh, announced that we were going to pivot to registrations, editorially we thought newsletters could be a really pivotal plank in our registration strategy. So as an editorial department, we decided to take control back of our newsletters and develop our own editorial strategy around We talk very much here about drawing a distinction between promotional newsletters and editorial newsletters. Promotional newsletters being much more based around ROI and generating leads, whereas editorial newsletters we consider to be uh, standalone pieces of editorial content, either handwritten or hand-curated for an audience, full of authored analysis. And we're kind of relaxed about whether a reader reads a newsletter and consumes a newsletter and and that's the end of their involvement with it or whether they click back uh, through to the site. So open rate is as important a metric for us as click-through rate. So kind of with those principles in mind, we're looking to develop a roster of editorial newsletters based around our key content verticals. So in the last two months, we've launched six. Front Bench, which is our morning political email. Brexit Bulletin, which is our afternoon, more Brexit-focused political newsletter, which did exist previously to this initiative, but we have revamped to bring into line with our current strategy. We launched three rugby newsletters around the Six Nations Championships, uh, Rugby Reader, Rugby Nerd and Geech on Friday, and they will all continue uh, now that the tournament has finished. And three weeks ago, we launched a revamped technology newsletter called uh, Technology Intelligence. The tone of The Telegraph's newsletters is more conversational than what you might find elsewhere on the website or in the newspaper. And the strategy is centred around personality-driven newsletters. One of the key benefits for us as as publishers is that newsletters allow us to speak directly to our most engaged audience, um, which is obviously really important in this, this age of kind of variable algorithms and search engines and social platforms you can turn referrals on and off at the at the flick of a switch so having that direct relationship with our readers is really important we're trying to build our newsletters around personalities so they're mainly authored front bench is authored by dan capuro who works on our comment desk the brexit bulletin is authored by a roster of our kind of key political commentators but asa bennett is probably the the most well-known public face of that but um 
but all of our main commentators chip in. Geech on Friday is authored by Sir Ian McGeekin, the, the rugby legend. So we're kind of mixing up big names, telegraph reporters, and kind of getting a, a conversational, informal tone of voice, but one that still has the authority of the telegraph. And one of, one of the key principles, um, editorial principles, we're trying to introduce, this idea of authored analysis. So taking a reader behind the headline, not just letting them know something has happened, but letting them know why it's happened and letting them know the Telegraph's take on that. So if you subscribe to our politics newsletters, you'll, you'll notice we're very relaxed about covering stories from rival publications and we'll quite happily link back to those rival publications. But we will give you the story and we'll give you the Telegraph's take on why we think it matters. So hopefully the reader will have enough in that newsletter that they feel like they're, they're kind of sated on that story. But if they want to go back to the original source, we're more than happy for them to do that. Alongside authored analysis, the Telegraph is also developing interactive elements that both get readers involved with the content of the next edition of a certain newsletter and create a link between newsletters to bounce readers between related ones. These are our first tentative steps into the realm of editorial newsletters, so uh, we're learning quite a lot as we go. The six we've launched in the last six weeks, they're semi-formatted, so there's a design language that, that goes through them and the editorial components um, are shared across them. So it's kind of long authored pieces. There's these kind of bite-sized in the news roundups that, that kind of give the, the story and our take on it. But we're also trying to make them two-way conversations as well and to put the reader back into the newsletter. So there's interactive elements throughout. So Frontbench has a poll on the lead item that morning and then we produce the results in Brexit Bulletin that afternoon, along with a selection of comments from people as to why they voted the way they did. So we're bouncing, so we're bringing the user into the newsletter and then bouncing them backwards and forwards from one to the other. Some of the rugby ones are more interactive than editorially led. So Rugby Reader, which is our kind of midweek look at the world of rugby and the, the topics and, and podcasts and things around the web that, that we think rugby, the rugby community will find interesting, that's probably about 50% user-generated. So we invite users to nominate things that they've found interesting. There's a, a little section where you can send in a picture of your rugby club, which apparently is a thing among the rugby community, um, picturesque little rugby grounds around the country. So making them more interactive and, and more of a conversation with the reader was really important to us. There's a lot of work that goes into producing a daily newsletter, as well as coming up with different formats or sections for the body of the email, and considering open rates or click-through rates, there is also a need for a deep commitment to producing the content. If the newsletter is primarily driven by a journalist in your newsroom, this often means extra work is added to their to-do list and they will likely have an earlier start to their day. So how do you decide when's a good time to start a new one? We've kind of identified our core content verticals for the, the year going forward, primarily areas that we're very strong in, so that'll be news, business, uh, technology, sport, lifestyle, and financial services, slash um, personal finance. So they're the kind of areas we're looking to expand into, the areas where we have the content and we have the experts and we have the audience. But we're currently refining that process of, of how we, we decide 
what newsletters to launch. Because we're expanding at the moment, we're kind of getting a lot of a lot of interest from around the newsroom. A lot of desks are thinking, oh, actually, I'd quite like to launch a newsletter. And until the new team are in place, I'm kind of the main point of contact for that. So I'm having to, to kind of filter through um, a lot of these suggestions. And, and while the enthusiasm is great, we do need to make sure that they're a viable proposition. Newsletters are quite time consuming. They're quite a big commitment and you can have too many. So uh, we're kind of refining our evaluation process at the moment. The technology powering the newsletters also plays a key role in how quickly you can get one off the ground. As most newsletters at The Telegraph were managed by the commercial team, the technology behind them was built primarily to serve commercial interests. So adapting it to editorial needs has been an ongoing process. I guess the challenges have, have all come from, from kind of trying to do this from scratch on a very limited resources. Technologically, uh, we've had a lot of challenges around the CMS we use, the, the software we use um, to put it out. Uh, we're still very much using our CRM teams apparatus and, and that's all been developed for mainly for marketing and promotional ends and the needs of an editorial product are very different so we're kind of refining that as we go along and we're, we're uh, currently investigating new CMSs and new new ways of delivering that. So technologically it's been a, a, a kind of steep learning curve but I think it's that, I'll go back to that commitment that launching a, a daily email or launching six daily emails is a huge commitment in terms of the journalist's time, the backup apparatus's time, and you have to stick with it. And everyone's very keen to see numbers and, and wants to see this kind of really sharp curve. And I'd say we're doing, we're doing very well, but, but you have to be patient with newsletters. You have to build communities over a long time rather than overnight. So it's patience and, and willingness to experiment. The Telegraph's newsletter strategy allows the team to be agile, launching newsletters, stopping them, having temporary newsletters around events, or having regular fixtures. The organization is currently experimenting with delivery and sign-up methods, formats and building knowledge. And Silver says the open rates as well as the click-through rates have been above industry averages so far, meaning the readers are keen on the format. And why wouldn't they be? The resurgence of newsletters has kind of taken a, a lot of people by surprise, but if you think about it, I mean, they're very mobile friendly, they're in a format that users are very familiar with, you know, who, who doesn't get 20,000 emails a day? Um, and they, they kind of really help cut through that information overload that, that kind of exists everywhere else if they're done properly. You know, the best newsletters kind of take you beyond the headlines and, and, and give you the context around the stories. It's impossible to talk about emails nowadays without mentioning the Daily Skim, for example. They've kind of become the snowfall. What snowfall was to interactive content, the Daily Skim has become to newsletter conversations. You know, two, two people in their bedroom in, in America producing a, a newsletter for young millennial women, and now they've got six million subscribers because they, as the name suggests, just produce really skimmable takes on the news and, and kind of chunk up big news stories and make them very accessible to their audience. For users, there's a huge benefit, and you know, it would be very remiss of publishers not to tap into that. You've been listening to the Journalism.co.uk podcast. If you'd like to learn more about building an editorial newsletter strategy, join us on 11 July in London for our next News Rewired Digital Journalism Conference. For more details and tickets, go to www.newsrewired.com.